Welcome to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about the trial of former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan being delayed and the latest updates around Illinois' gun ban registry. I'll then join the Center Square's Dan McCaleb to further discuss those stories and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Knowledge is power, and you deserve to know what happens in your state government. That's why the nonprofit Franklin News Foundation is bringing you straight news journalism through the Center Square, reporting on state authorities and publishing stories that show where your money goes and who spends it. By supporting the Center Square, you can track politicians' use of taxpayer money and demand transparency from elected officials. This is how we can equip everyday Americans to hold their government accountable. Become a supporter of Franklin today at franklinnews.org donate. Welcome back to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. As former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan's corruption proceedings continue to drag on, some are calling for ethics reforms now. Kevin Bessler files this report. Madigan was indicted in March 2022 on 23 charges, including racketeering and bribery. But the trial has been postponed until October. The charges stem from the alleged improper dealings with the state's largest utility, ComEd. Illinois House Minority Leader Tommy McCombie says the delay is disappointing and it is unlikely any kind of ethics reforms will be addressed during the next legislative session. You know, they had promised that we would see something and we didn't. Uh, they didn't meet. They didn't have conversations. So as much as I would love to uh, give my colleagues on the other side of the aisle credit, they're seeing everything that's going on. Uh, I'm not very optimistic. Illinois lawmakers return to Springfield Tuesday, January 16th. I'm Kevin Bessler. The final numbers for Illinois' gun ban registry leading up to the January 1st deadline are in. One high-profile politician says he's not among them. The final numbers from Illinois State Police before the January 1st deadline show a total of 29,357 individuals disclosed. They possess a now-banned item. That's 1.22% of the state's 2.4 million firearm owners' ID card holders. Former State Senator Darren Bailey posted a video to social media on New Year's Day showing him shooting several bans guns and saying that he will, quote, die on his porch before he gives them up. Tuesday, he said his message is clear. This is an issue that uh, uh, we have an opportunity to stand and, and save this republic over. And I believe that's what's at stake and what this is all about. Responding on X, Democratic State Senator Robert Peters said what Bailey's doing might be a detainable offense. Bailey said the gun ban is creating fear, panic and complicity. And, and they just lead to one thing after another until our freedoms are gone. And, and that's, again, that's what I believe is at stake with this. Being found out of compliance could lead to a Class A misdemeanor for the first offense or a Class 3 felony for second and subsequent offenses. Those are the top stories of the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, I'll join the Center Square's Dan McCaleb to further discuss the news. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Freedom, individualism, limited government. On these issues, conservatives and libertarians generally agree. But where do we disagree? Check out the Future of Freedom podcast for civil, reasoned conversations about some of today's most pressing topics. It's not a debate. Our goal is to provide the best arguments from either side of an issue. Then you decide. It's the Future of Freedom podcast. Find it at americastalking.com or wherever you find your podcasts. 
Greetings and welcome to Illinois in Focus, powered by the Center Square. I'm Dan McCaleb, Vice President of News and Content at the Franklin News Foundation, publisher of the Center Square Newswire Service. Joining me again today is Greg Bishop, the Center Square's Illinois Capitol Bureau Senior Reporter and Editor. Greg, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and yours, Dan. Here we are in 2024, and what a big year it's going to be, no question. A lot of carryover issues, uh, Greg, from 2023, and I'm sure those be they'll get some. We'll get some curveballs thrown in there too. First, let me tell listeners we are recording this on Thursday, January 4th, the first episode of 2024. Greg, longtime former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan made a rare public appearance this week when he attended a hearing related to his up his upcoming trial on more than two dozen corruption related charges. Madigan and his attorneys were successful in delaying his scheduled trial from April of this year to October. One interesting note about the new schedule, Greg, is that the trial is now scheduled to start about a month before the November uh, 5th elections and already into early the early voting period for those elections. And on November 5th, uh, when all of Illinois House seats are up for grabs, including seats currently held by Democratic representatives who voted for Madigan time and time again to be their speaker. That could be a little bit awkward. Before we get into that schedule, Greg, tell us about the details of why the delay. So this all, of course, uh, stems around the ComEd uh, bribery scandal that broke in the summer of 2020 uh, and had Madigan as public official A. Uh, And then months and months go by uh, and we get more indication uh, that uh, this is indeed involves Madigan with others being charged. And even earlier this year, you had uh, the ComEd 4, several executives from the utility company and lobbyists and uh, the close confidant of Michael Madigan being found guilty. And uh, while they were heading into sentencing, uh, they had actually motioned for a delay in sentencing because of a U.S. Supreme Court case dealing with uh, federal bribery statutes. And uh, the the judge ultimately did delay sentencing in that case, kind of gave an indication as to what could happen with Madigan's case, who was originally scheduled to go to trial on 22 counts of racketeering. In April of this year. So while a lot of people were watching for that April date to come for the trial to begin, you had Madigan's attorneys uh, file a motion to delay the trial pending what happens out of the U.S. Supreme Court. So uh, this week, prosecutors, they ultimately said they see no reason for the Madigan corruption trial to be delayed, saying that uh, the 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 bulk of the counts against Madigan do not involve the federal bribery statutes and therefore would not be affected by whatever the decision is from the U.S. Supreme Court case, Snyder v. United States. Uh, and that uh, case obviously uh, is is something that's expected to be decided later on this year. Uh, but regardless of the prosecutors essentially asking for a delay not to be granted, uh, the judge in the case citing the pending U.S. Supreme Court's decision uh, decided Wednesday to go ahead and push the start of Madigan's case. And that, uh, as you noted, is going to be pushed back from April of this year to October of this year. So a six month delay 
in Madigan uh, facing a, a, a list of charges and having a jury hear those charges uh, and all of the evidence that we're expecting to get out of that from possible wiretap phone conversations to possible undercover video recordings, things that were evident in the ComEd 4 trial. Uh, so obviously there's a lot of twists and turns in this and uh, something that we'll be uh, keeping a close eye on, especially as you noted. Uh, it's going to be buttoned up right against the November 2024 election, where you've got every Illinois House seat up for grabs and about uh, half or so of the Illinois Senate seats up for grabs. And whether or not ethics reforms are going to be a priority of the General Assembly heading into spring session, that is yet to be seen, because since the 2020 revelations of the ComEd scandal, we really haven't seen substantive ethics reforms passed at the Illinois State House that Republicans have been demanding uh, even since before Madigan's saga began. Let's talk a little bit more about that calendar, um, Greg. Early voting, if memory serves from past elections, it'll have started by the time this trial um, starts. So voters will already be deciding on uh, you know who they want to represent them in the Illinois House. Uh, Madigan, of course, was Speaker of the House for 38 of 40 years leading up to uh, 2020. So any, any lawmaker, any elected state representative who's in their, at least their third term right now, would have, uh, on the Democratic side anyway, would have voted for Madigan at least as Speaker at least once, many multiple times. Of course, the Republican Party is not all that competitive statewide when it comes to these uh, these House races. Uh, the House has, the Democrats do have a supermajority in the House but what are the what's the likelihood that Republicans will try to use, particularly those who have voted for M uh, Michael Madigan as speaker multiple times, use any details that come out during the, the October trial against their opponents? Yeah, I think uh, even before we get to Madigan's uh, trial and the evidence we're uh, expecting to see, uh, you've got evidence that was already released uh, in the ComEd 4 trial uh, where there were guilty verdicts handed down to four individuals. And a lot of that evidence uh, showed the kind of coordination uh, between uh, a, a close Madigan confidant and uh, some of the other actors in the ComEd 4 story. Uh, so I would imagine that that type of thing uh, could possibly be, um, you know, fair play for uh, the, the political messaging that's expected heading into the November election. Uh, but, you know, the Illinois Republican Party has, uh, even before, uh, you know, 2020, uh, they've regularly raised the uh, specter of uh, conflicts of interest, of insider dealing when uh, discussing the, the power that Mike Madigan had. Uh, because, listen, he wasn't just the Speaker of the House for uh, a historic amount of time in Illinois. He was also the chairman of the Democratic Party of Illinois. So that nexus of power that he had as somebody who controlled the party purse strings while at the same time controlling what legislation was heard or ultimately passed, uh, that nexus of power has long been a point of criticism of Republicans in Illinois. Uh, but uh, whether or not voters will hear that message or whether or not Democrats may counter and say Madigan's no longer in office and he's no longer part of the picture here, uh, we'll see how that plays out with voters. Uh, but clearly, uh, there's going to be a lot of conversation uh, circling Madigan as we head into the, the final months of the uh, 2024 election. One last question on this topic, and that's related to ethics reform. 
in the legislature. The uh, legislature returns the session later this month. Really, the, the meat of the session gets gets into play in February, March, um, and into, into April. Democrats uh, uh, in the legislature have sort of been resistant to Republican calls for ethics reform. Among the things that Republicans had criticized were the House rules Michael Magan created when he was uh, the House Speaker. The new Speaker, the Speaker who replaced Madigan, Emmanuel Chris Welsh, when he first took office, said he's going to take a look at those rules and, and change where he thinks, change them where he thinks are necessary. But he didn't really change them all much, and that's been a constant criticism of Republicans. Now that Madigan's facing an October trial, there's this huge election. Do you think anything will get done with ethics reform um, in the legislature this session, this spring session? It's a great question uh, and something that has yet to be seen uh, as we uh, head into spring session starting later this month. Uh, and they've got uh, you know days they're in, days they're out, and whether or not they actually attack substantive reforms uh, remains to be seen. But it, it, one thing, it's not just you know the House rules uh, that uh, you know Republicans are looking for more parity with maybe other states or maybe some more equity when it comes to legislation that may have you know, uh, bipartisan uh, co-sponsors. Sometimes these bills don't get called uh, because there's too much control in the hands of one person uh, being the leadership of each chamber and how those bills are ultimately uh, dispersed or dispatched. Uh, So the other things, though, that Republicans have been looking for is giving the uh, Office of Inspector General for the General Assembly more independence and investigating claims, Uh, because the uh, the thinking is that uh, uh, sometimes federal prosecutors, obviously, they have to do a thorough job in collecting evidence to be able to bring charges against somebody. But if there's speculation or allegations of impropriety or wrongdoing, uh, Republicans say that uh, the legislative inspector general uh, does not have the autonomy that it needs uh, to investigate these things and to put out these reports that could lead to even more scrutiny or calls for people to step down or to be removed. Uh, Obviously, that's uh, a level of. Uh, enforcement and investigation that Republicans are looking for in the Illinois General Assembly, but they have yet to secure that uh, when it comes to uh, changes in ethics. And it's gotten to the point where uh, the previous legislative inspector general quit calling the office a paper tiger because she didn't have the authority uh, to issue subpoenas without getting uh, approval from a body of lawmakers or the ability to uh, to to you know, thoroughly investigate uh, certain claims uh, without uh, having to go through that same body of lawmakers. So we'll see what happens. Of course, it's something we'll track uh, all throughout spring session uh, with the uh, the center square dot com. Good point there, Greg. Why don't we move on? Big issue in 2023 that's certainly carrying over into 2024 is the biker crisis that um, that Chicago mostly, but also the suburbs and, and some other communities are facing with um, uh, illegal border crossers who enter Texas being bused to the city and to the suburbs. Um, we Over the holidays, we had busload after busload after busload, and we even had private planes that, that um, flew in to the state uh, with migrants on it. Um, now, the state of Illinois is spending even more taxpayer dollars on services um, and housing for these migrants. That seems to be an issue that's not going to go away anytime soon. Give us some updates on what happened during the holiday season. Yeah, and as you uh, laid out there, uh, communities outside of Chicago are having to deal with this, uh, with buses of non-citizen migrants being dropped off uh, and ultimately uh, getting either into private vehicles or 
uh, getting onto trains to head back to Chicago, uh, or as you mentioned in uh, Rockford, I believe it was on uh, New Year's holiday weekend, a uh, plane showed up and uh, delivered uh, migrants to uh, to Rockford, who were then transported by bus to Chicago. Uh, listen, there's a lot of uh, concerns here, the humanitarian concerns, it being cold, how they're going to feed uh, these migrants, how they're going to shelter these migrants, uh, what kinds of other services are going to be available. Uh, the humanitarian issue obviously glaring, but so is the taxpayer costs. And the taxpayer cost, at least from the state taxpayers, uh, is upwards of $460 million just in the past 12 months. Wow. This is to take on the 25,000 migrants that have arrived since August of 2022. Uh, but this week, the governor's office announced they're expanding an intake center with six heated tents in a uh, Chicago area where they are intaking these migrants at a, at a bus drop-off point. Uh, but you've also got uh, the issue of buses that uh, if they don't follow certain protocol, they get in impounded by Chicago. So that's causing these bus drivers to possibly drop them off outside of Chicago. Uh, but you also have the the states increasing funding for shelters and even extending uh, food service contracts with an additional $2 million. Uh, so all of these dollars are coming from an additional $160 million that uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker announced in November. Uh, but really, when you get down to it, the uh, uh, Democratic leadership in Illinois is asking Asking for the Biden administration to release more resources, uh, even uh, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson recently telling CNN that uh, he's asking for 15 billion dollars in funds for migrants nationwide. Wow. Uh, and he says that without that, quote, significant investment from the federal government, uh, it uh, won't just be the city of Chicago unable to maintain the mission. The entire country is at stake, Johnson said. Well, former state Senator Darren Bailey, a Republican from downstate, he's running for Congress, and he said that the border needs to be closed. He also said that uh, the same people who wanted sanctuary cities in a sanctuary state are now fearing the future of the country. And he says that that seems hypocritical. Uh, and really, the answer to this, according to Bailey and others, is that the southern U.S. border needs to be closed. This is Illinois in focus, of course, but at the center square, we cover the country. We cover all 50 states and the border crisis, of course, in Texas in particular has been an, uh, a huge ongoing issue. We also referenced, you know, that the elections come November in Illinois, where every single House member, about half the Senate, uh, their seats are up. Of course, it's a presidential election year as well, Greg. President Joe Biden, you know, is the essentially the lone Democratic candidate seeking reelection. Former President Donald Trump is far and away way um the the republican front runner in the gop primary uh, uh, president uh, former president trump is making the border a huge issue in this campaign so you wonder how much this border crisis that's affecting chicago right now how much on a national scale that's going to impact voters when it comes to the presidential election but that's to be determined another issue you've been covering significantly in 2023 that's carrying over to 2024 is the gun ban that was uh, enacted last January that included a registry uh, that just opened officially January 1st of this year, just a few days ago. Um, you've written some, you wrote some stories over the holiday updating our readers about that. Yeah, uh, January 10th of 2023 was when this law was enacted uh, by Governor J.B. Pritzker from the previous General Assembly. The measure passed during lame duck session. 
so since then, uh, of course, we've seen stacks of lawsuits uh, filed against the measure and uh, the uh, the issue even going all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court uh, and, and still cases pending uh, in various jurisdictions about this. But ultimately, none of those lawsuits on a preliminary basis were able to delay that January 1st deadline. Well, the January 1st deadline having come and gone, uh, the latest numbers that Illinois State Police released on the gun ban registry uh, come out to about 1.22% of Illinois firearm owner ID card holders registering banned items with Illinois State Police. Now, that's not to say that all 2.4 million firearm owner ID card holders have a banned item, but that's the only metric we have to really kind of have as a as a as a guide of sorts to how many legal gun owners there are in Illinois and how many have registered. Uh, so while the governor uh, has said that he expected people last minute to register and there was a doubling of the total number of individuals that registered uh, from around 15,000 to, to close to 30,000 people by January 1st, that's still just 1.2 percent of total FOID card holders who registered. Uh, so clearly uh, there's uh, you know some saying that that it shows mass noncompliance to this. Uh, and it has others asking, well, what's going to happen to those who didn't register? Uh, are there going to be, you know, law enforcement knocking on doors? Uh, a lot has been uh, discussed about this and gun owners uh, that didn't register uh, their their banned items may be uneasy. But uh, we'll be watching how this plays out, how it's practically uh, uh, you know plays out with with law enforcement and how they enforce this. Because one thing here, Dan, that's been made clear by Illinois State Police is that charges would have to be uh, ultimately decided by local prosecutors. And uh, in order for local prosecutors to level those charges, they have to have uh, an investigation and a report from local law enforcement. But across the state, uh, you've got state's attorneys and sheriffs locally elected who have said that they will not enforce this or they won't make it a top priority. Other areas like Cook County, maybe Lake County, uh, these areas may have some enforcement, but we have yet to see any indication that that's the case. Uh, but while all of that's still in the uh, in the in the in the uh, uh, ecosphere, so to speak, uh, you've got the lawsuits that are still pending. Uh, so uh, this week we've had uh, some developments in the Southern District case where uh, instead of having the Second Amendment argument that went all the way up to the uh, Illinois Appeals Court, you've got a, an argument about Fifth Amendment rights. And that is actually now set for a scheduling conference next week on the 12th. And the state was ordered to respond to the Fifth Amendment arguments by January 19th. So that's in the Southern District Federal Court. Uh, tomorrow, uh, you've got the U.S. Supreme Court taking up in conference the possibility of the case that Dan Calkins has. His case went all the way to the Illinois Supreme Court, and it dealt with issues of conflicts of interest and requests for Illinois Supreme Court justices to recuse themselves. We've tracked that at thecentersquare.com. Uh, but the U.S. Supreme Court did take that case and put it into conference. What happens there? We shall see. Will they decide to go ahead and take that case? That's unclear, but uh, that's clearly another thing that we're going to be watching closely as a whole myriad of cases up and down the federal judiciary are still 
set to play out on the merits of this case. Greg, we're just about uh, out of time, but I want to reference one other thing related to this story, and that's a former, or a current politician, I guess, a former, uh, a former governor candidate, Republican governor candidate, former state senator Darren Bailey on New Year's Day, the day the registry opened, openly flouting his violation, apparent, alleged violation of the law, when he w- went on social media, showed a video of him firing a now banned weapon, said that he will never comply with the law. I'm looking at the photo right now that you can see at the centersquare.com, the Illinois page. I know he's not alone. There are plenty of people who just aren't going to comply. Greg, thank you for your insight into these very important stories. Listeners can keep up with all the stories we talked about on Illinois in Focus this week and so much more at thecentersquare.com. For Greg Bishop, I'm Dan McCaleb. Please subscribe. Thank you for listening.